You're listening to the Sermon Podcast from Real Life on the Palouse, reaching the world for Jesus, one person at a time. I'm Darby Anderson. I am the home group's pastor here at Real Life, and I'm honored to be so. You may not recognize me. I'm not wearing a hat. And wait, wait for it. There it is. Doyer 1, Doyer 2. You may recognize me from being the doorman. Uh, Somehow I ended up being over here. Now I'm opening the door to this uh, sermon called Detours. Uh, Last week, Josh talked about detours, and there was this guy named Jonah who was running away, and his detour was because of fear, and his fear led him to fight, to flight, and to freeze at times. Um, I'm here talking about maybe another idea of a detour and, and what could detour us. So um, being from the land down under known as California, um, we have these horrible devices called cell phones and they create this crazy schedule which creates this crazy thing that to try to actually minister to people, I'd have to take them out of cell phone range And to get out of cell phone range in California, you have to go above the tree line. And above the tree line in California, the mountains are made out of granite, which is a rock. And so I would take my friends up above, up and out of cell phone range, and we would go on these hikes. And one friend in particular who made it to, he's he's older than me, so he's super old, um, he made it to that age without ever having any hiking in his life. And for me, I grew up hiking and kind of know the contours of mountains and what have you and done it a lot. So I was taking him and, and we were cruising along and, and these things are called cairns. Cairns are like stacked rocks to say, hey, here's the trail. Feel free to stay on the trail. And... Um, so I would, and I told him about them, and I'm like, hey, you know, you should really pay attention to these things when you go hiking because they help you stay on the trail. And then the next weekend, he's like, you know, I want to try to go hiking without you. And, and the first day, he just followed me, and I didn't get us lost. And that was cool. And then, so he's like, I'm going to go. And I gave him a super easy trail, but it was above tree line. And there were these stacked rocks, cairns, and he's like, because of the crud in his life, he didn't trust them. He believed that anyone who would stack rocks is probably mischievous. And so because of the junk and his lack of trust of people, he went a different way and he found himself in the stuff called Manzanita. And Manzanita is not fun. If we have ticks in California... The ticks hangs out, hang out in Manzanita and they chomp you up and it's not very fun. Both the ticks and the Manzanita will not play nicely with you. And so anyway, I wasn't there to lead him and he, like, later he's like, what's going on? I'm like, well, did you follow the thing? He's like, of course not. How can I trust people? Whew. Okay, got it. Um, so, and I'm sitting there going, yeah, that's, that's crazy, you know. But last summer I arrived here and... Um, yeah, (laughs) Uh, yeah, you you could feel my vibe there. Um, 
So I arrive here, and I remember that I like this thing called driving, because in California, you don't like driving, I'm telling you. But here, I'm like, oh, I kind of like driving, and every once in a while, I'd take my own detour on 3rd Street through town and go through that place called U of I. It's a beautiful campus when there are no students to be hit with my vehicle, and so I'm like, hey, I'm going to take this way today, and then I saw a sign that looked like this. I'm like, wait. I'm supposed to go the wrong way on a one-way street. I'm like, obviously, this is not for me. And I found out it was for me. Um, There was a big construction zone, and I had to back out, do my five-point turn, and find my roads. But I didn't mind it, because nobody uh, gave me any choice hand gestures or anything like that, even though I still have my California plates. Um, I hear some of you have done that before. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Anyway... Um, there's this idea that we're detoured and our, and our detours can be either from fear or they can be from faith. And if they're fear, there's this fight, flight, or freeze. If you've ever dealt with someone in trauma like myself, I've been in that scenario and I'm like either fight, 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 flight, or freeze. And in Jonah, we looked at that, and he did kind of all those things, right? He fought against God, and then he flighted away from God, flighted, you could say that. And then he froze under his little plant as he had his little pity party, right? But I want to talk about the idea of that our faith will also detour us. It'll take us places that we could never imagine, and I'm here to, to prove that. It's a, little, it's a little strange to me to think that I grew up in an atheist family, and, and yet here I am teaching a room of you about faith. And, and I soaked in that a little bit and thought about how crazy it was, how God, where God has taken me on this journey. But, but there's always a tension. There's always this tension between um, faith and fear. And it comes back to, I would say, to Genesis Chapter three, verse one, it says, did God really say, and we can get caught up in like the trees and like what happens if they would ate the tree of life before with the, with the tree of knowledge and good of evil have to have disappeared. And you're like, what are you even talking about? I dare you to read your Bible. It's in there. Genesis chapter three, verse one. Anyway, but underneath that is a deeper question. And that deeper question is, I would say, is God really good? Can you trust God? There's a tension between faith and fear, and this is the root of that tension. Can you really trust his heart? Is he really good? Inevitably, we're going to obey someone or something. We're going to follow someone or something. I, by faith, just sat in that stool and it held me up. It's a thing. I trusted it and it did its job. We've been saying that God's love language is obedience and because I get to hang out with home groups and because um, I'm in sermon club and I hear all these feedbacks and Anyone cringe when they see or hear the word obedience? Yeah, it's like, that sign's obviously not for me. 
right? Then there's a little bit of rebel that kind of like, what? You want me to what? Who do you think you are, right? And I think it's because we're experiencing something. I've been around faith communities that go a little something like this. Maybe you can relate. Jesus died on the cross. The least you could do, fill in the blank. Guilt-driven obedience. How fun is that? That kind of obedience lasts as long as the guilty feeling. And then once that guilty feeling goes away, you usually do something stupid, or at least I would. And then you're like, oh, I'm an idiot again. Jesus died. And then, right? And so it's like this idea of like God's love language being obedience, like he's this needy person, just obey me. Or maybe this whatever. No, it's like, hey, if you trust me, follow through. And, and there is a verse, it's, it's Matthew, it's in your going deeper part, Matthew 14. It says, in, in, in NIV, older NIV says, if you love me, obey what I've commanded. In the message version, it says, if you love me, do what I'm telling you to do. Do what you're being told to do. As a parent, do you ever feel like that? <laughs> hey, <laughs> I might know something, and you may want to follow through, or you may not want to follow through. But we will follow something. There's this passage that we talk about discipleship here at Real Life, and it's found in Matthew chapter 4. It says, as Jesus was walking along the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew, who were casting their net in the lake, for they were fishermen. So there's two guys, one guy named Simon, not a very good first name. If you're ever thinking of what am I going to name my boy, not a good one. It means shifting sand, not very reliable. Um, But God gave him a nickname, which I'm all for, like, hey, small rock, that's a good one. And then there's Andrew, which I guess is just a solid name, and he rolled with Andrew. Um, But what was their plan for that day? They planned on doing what, according to this verse? Fishing, and then we go, oh, yeah, the best day fishing, or the worst day fishing is better than the best day working, or however that works. But these guys, unless, of course, your job is being a fisherman. And you're like, wait, I'm so confused. Is the best day fishing? Worst day? I don't know how that goes. Anyway, so that's what these people were doing. They were fishing and they had names. And then Jesus says, come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. At once they left their nets and followed him. They instantly followed through. What are their names? Peter and Andrew, or Simon. Yeah. So, so we know their names. They dropped, their day changed, and their career changed. Their whole life changed by this first step of faith. And they had lots of other steps of faith. Um, then you'll see in your notes that there's this big passage for context in Matthew 19 Um, We're going to just focus on Matthew 19, verses 21 and 22. And it says, Jesus answered, 
If you want to be perfect, go sell your possessions and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. Contrasting fishermen, not high on the totem pole of society, this guy, do we know his name? No. His name, as far as we're concerned, is the rich, young ruler. How many of you are sitting there going, man, I wouldn't want to be rich. I wouldn't want to be young. And I'd hate to have massive influence and power. In his society, he's the man. And he didn't follow through. And we don't know his name. His fear led him to freeze because he trusted the things he had, his stuff, and he did not trust the sign placer or the rock stacker. Fear led him to fight, flight, freeze. Are you really good? Like, can I really trust you? Did God really say? But the thing is, is, is we don't necessarily get to choose none of the above. You ever take a test? You're like, oh, none of the above? That was me a lot. Uh, I don't know. Blank. Mm. Uh, we were, inevitably, we have to choose something. And this passage is a cool passage. Um, it's in 2 Peter 2.19, and it says, they promise them freedom while they themselves are slaves of depravity. We're going to hit a theme here of slaves, okay? Slaves of depravity, for people are slaves to whatever have mastered them. So we inevitably will serve something, trust something or someone. There's no other options. We are slaves to whatever have mastered us, and inevitably we're going to put our faith and some one, some, something, and those things, do they make us free or do they make us slaves? My life verse is Galatians 5.1. It is for freedom that Christ has come to set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. How free are you? Inevitably, we will serve a master. And you're like, okay, prove it. Give me some rules. I'm a, I'm a person of rules, Darby. I want rules. And there's these rules. There's 10 of them. And they're found in Exodus chapter 20. And they're known as the Ten Commandments. And there's 10 of them. But really, I feel like you could just like go, put pause after one. And we're going to look at the first one. Exodus chapter 20, verses 1 through 3. And God spoke all these words. I am the Lord, your God, who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of, there's that word again, slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. So he's basically saying, I led you on a path, 
place some rocks out of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. We ever ever put anyone above God? We ever put anything above God? Do we submit our resume, put our best Facebook page forward? Look at me. I'm pretty good. How about you look at me for the job of being God and following what I want to do? God's saying, check my resume. I stacked the rocks and I led you out of that. I will be your God and you will be my people. I used to teach through the Old Testament, the Older Testament, the older story, and there are a lot of crazy stories in this Older Testament. And if you've ever read the Older Testament, you may be going, uh, what's going on here? And so I taught this class um, to sophomores. And so by the end of the year, I wanted my sophomores to get one concept, You know why I wanted only one? Because they're sophomores, okay? Maybe they could get one thing. Anyone know what sophomore means? What was that? A wise fool. Yes, that's what sophomore means. Like, I'm so smart! What? (laughs) That's what, anyway, I'm sorry if you're a sophomore. Um. But I wanted him to get one thing. At the end of the year, I wanted him to get God's heart. And if you read the Old Testament, a common phrase is, I will be their God and they will be my people. That weird thing that happened, what's that about? Oh, don't worry. I'll be their God. They'll be my people. Hey, what is that all about? That's so weird. I will be their God and they will be my people. If you look in your going deeper part of your notes, you'll see there's Genesis verse in there right next to a Revelation verse because both in the Older Testament, I will be their God and they will be my people is God's heart saying, trust me. I'm good for you. You ever try to drive a nail with a screwdriver? You can do it, but it's not made that way, you know, and made for that. And sometimes we try to, oh, it, when we follow God and God is God and we're his people, it's like it fits in. It's like the, the screwdriver is made for screws and not the other way around. And we don't experience that weirdness that we could trust that he is for us. So, I like marinating because my friend Josh said soaking isn't cool. And so I said, all right, let's marinate. And so I encourage you to open your Bibles or Bible apps, and I will tempt you to do that often, to open your Bibles or Bible apps and to marinate in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 38, all the way through Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. If you marinate in there, you will come across 31 times this word faith. Now faith, now faith, now faith, 31 times. So if you find 31 times that a word is concentrated, 
Maybe that word's important in that little spot. And, and it says in Hebrews chapter 11, by faith, now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. Who hears like going, nope, I don't want any confidence. Thank you, Jeannie. I will pass on assurance if you are dibbying out assurance. I don't want confidence or assurance. I think we'd all line up for that, right? And this faith is this word in Greek. It is pistis, and it means it's that faith, it's that trust that, that the person who is laying the rocks, the person who is placing the signs, that they are faithful, that you, that's belief, it's confidence, reliability, assurance, firm persuasion that comes from God. It's God's de- divine persuasion. It's the noun that propels us to action. It's fuel for follow through. This faith that the person who laid the rocks, the person who placed the sign, the person who, and then he goes through and he says, hey, look at these rocks. In Hebrews, it says, look at these rocks, these rocks that you could trust, that I am a good path maker, I am a good way maker, I am a good sign placer. And we look at some of the rocks that he places for us in Hebrews. So you cruise through and you see all these names by faith Abel, by faith Enoch, by faith Noah, by faith Abraham. Abraham, when called to go to a place where he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, and though he did not know where he was going. That is faith that the person who's laying out the path knows where you're going. So as I've been marinating and thinking about this um, detour that I got to preach this week that I wasn't planning on, that as I'm marinating, I'm thinking about how God has been so faithful to me and my family. How does an 18-year-old atheist end up here plus 30-plus years? Anyway, how does that happen? Little steps of faith along the way. So by faith, he made his home. And the beautiful thing is, is, is faith propels us forward. Abraham was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. So he's looking forward. It, it propels him forward whose architect and builder is God. So, so he's trusting the rock stacker, the sign placer. Then we come across Sarah, who's pretty darn cool. It says, by faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful. She considered him faithful who had made the promise. She's like, I'm too old to have kids, but God's not too old to do something crazy. She considered him faithful. And, and then, then, then there's this little like uh, speed bump as you're cruising through Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 11, this hall of faith, these stacked rocks of these people's faith. And it goes here in verse 13. It says, all these people were still living by faith when they died. 
eh. Wouldn't that be awesome if that was said of you? Chris, Chris was living by faith when he died. Gary, living by faith when he died. Christina, living by faith when she died. I would love for that to be said of me. It's my hope that if I didn't make it home today, that they go, yep, he was living by faith when he died. By faith, Abraham, by faith, Isaac, by faith, Jacob, by faith, Joseph. Dare you to look in your Bible, it's all in there. Chapter 11. Then this part. By faith, Moses' parents. Try to say Moses's. It's not easy and it's not even like dabbing into different language. Moses's. Moses' parents. Any of us as parents thinking, ah, maybe I've been parenting by fear. Maybe I've been parenting by freak out. Maybe I've been parenting by, I was a coach. These people, are, they're called helicopter parents. And sometimes I take off the copter part because they're not very fun to deal with and they just like, ugh! They're all over their kids. It's just horrible to try to coach the parents. By faith, Moses' parents. Do you think you could insert you, by faith, you could parent? And then by faith, Moses. By faith, Moses. By faith, Moses. By faith, the people pass through the Red Sea as on dry land. Let's pause there for a second. This is a whole group of people. It's like this room and then plus lots of others. And they left the slavery of Egypt and they're on dry land where the Red Sea is. And by faith, they enter into that as a community. I am excited to see what God's going to lead real life Moscow into on the Palouse where we're going to see by faith, real life Moscow, by faith they did this and they influenced their community and they walk through and they're a testimony and people can go, oh yeah, we can follow that path because look at those rocks. The people, the community of real life Moscow. Okay, I, like I said, was a coach and in fact, I love strategizing. In fact, our president a while back, a different president, made up a word which, to me, when you don't have a word, just make it up. It sounds good. He made up a word. It's called strategery. You may have heard that word before. And I'm a strategerist and strategist. There's actually a word for that. It's called a strategist. And um, I'm a strategist. And if you would have said, hey, here's a really good strategy, Darby, There's this really big city with these really big walls, and here's what we're going to do. We're going to get up, we're going to walk around, you're going to walk around some more. Anyone tired of walking around yet, like I am? Because I'm tired of walking around. You're going to walk around, walk around, days upon days, and then when you think you're done, no, you're going to walk around some more, and then make a loud noise. 
perfect. That is really good strategy. Except the person who gave him that strategy was the angel of the Lord, and you're like, all right, trust the person, and did it work? Turns out it worked. I wouldn't have given the strategy unless the angel of the Lord said, hey, dude, this is a good strategy. Then I'd probably struggle with the tension of fear. What will they think as I'm walking around? That would be so weird. Okay, then by faith, the prostitute Rahab. Let's pause there. What You're like, Darby, you don't understand. My life has been jacked up. I can't do anything by faith. No one will ever take me serious. If you would know, would have known me before the Lord got a hold of me, it's like, yeah, by faith, Darby wasn't a great guy. Still in process. But there's a place that, that even Rahab, even you, even me, cruises on with Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and the prophets, and then there were others, it says. Encourage you to marinate in Hebrews 11. And it says in verse 39, these were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised since God had planned something better for us. Does that blow your mind? Here's all these faithful people that we know their names and that are in scripture and it's like, yeah, he's holding back things because he's got something good for us, for us who will walk through, for us who will follow the path, for us that'll see the stacked trail of faith. He's got something better that together with us, they would be made perfect. What legacy are we leaving that, that someone behind us can go, yep, Look at the stacked rocks of Todd. Look at the stacked rocks of Susie. Look at the stacked rocks of Greg. Look at the stacked rocks. And that they would be able to follow God because of how we follow God. I don't know if you know, but the uh, chapters in your Bible are arbitrary. Someone a while ago, way smarter than me, said, hey, we should stop the chapter here and start a chapter there. And this is one of those cases where I actually disagree. I think the chapter should have kept going. And it actually kind of crescendos here into Hebrews um, chapter 12. Because chapter 12 says, therefore, therefore what? Therefore all these people that live by faith, therefore all these stacked rocks, therefore the, the person who stacked the rocks, therefore since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witness, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Why for? Because of God being faithful. That's why for. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Remember that word faith is a noun that propels us to verbing, moving forward, running a race, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. I love the way the new, new NIV, because there's an old NIV, which is super confusing because NIV means new. Anyway, so... I can't even track that in my own dyslexic brain. It used to say the author and perfecter of our faith in the new NIV, but this is the new, new NIV. 
Uh, anyway, but I love the fact it says pioneer. Us in the Pacific Northwest, we should really feel this. Trailblazers, pathmakers, waymakers, like, yes, we are frontiers pers- peoples. We are pioneers. And Jesus is like the pioneer of pioneers, man. He's like, yes, follow me. Look at this trail. Anyway, I'm inspired by him. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you do not grow weary or lose heart. Consider him. And so by faith, what are, you, what are we going to do? I encourage you to think, by faith, what do I want to do? Maybe it's, I'm going to finish this semester well. Maybe it's, I'm going to obey my parents. Probably not. Anyway, but by faith, I'm going to love my spouse. By faith, I'm going to be a good employee. By faith, I'm going to do this. By faith, I'm going to do that. What is God calling you to do by faith? Because he is faithful. Normally, I like going in a linear fashion because it helps my dyslexia, but this Um, being a dyslexic and loving not being able to go. I'm going to go ahead and go back to go forward. And in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 23 through 25, it says, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. He who promised is faithful. Because he who promised is faithful, the person who went before us and endured the cross, the person who went before us and placed the rocks, the person who went before us and placed the detour signs of faith, he is faithful. Let us consider how we may spur one another on to love and good deeds. Like, hey, move it. You got this. Let's insert our water boy phrase here. We have any Waterboy fans? Do we know the movie? Yeah. You can do it. There you are. I hear you. You're in the crowd. Not giving up meeting together as some of you are in the habit of doing. Don't give up meeting together. We need each other to spur one another on. We need each other to help each other continue on. I said this last sermon and it popped into my brain and it was, I don't know, I don't know, the delivery was off so it's probably going to fall flat today, but the banana that leaves the bunch gets eaten. (laughs) It worked better last last time. How about this one? The fish that leaves the school gets eaten. Anyway, banana that leaves the bunch gets eaten. Don't stop meeting together. You're going to maybe get eaten. I don't know what that means. Anyway, but encourage one another. You can do it. All the more as the day is approaching. And I want to encourage those of you that are serving communion to go ahead and make communion happen. Um, We here at Real Life have an open table, which means that if you want to celebrate the um, death 
burial, and resurrection of Jesus. If you are a believer, then you can partake in this. We encourage you to hold the elements. And if, if you don't want to do that, that's fine. You can just let them pass. But again, inevitably, we will follow someone. We will either be detoured by our fears or we will contrast and compare says we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witness and we will fix our eyes on Jesus and we will pioneer with him forward in faith. So one of the ways we move forward in faith is through our home group's questions. Here are some of them. What are some ways you've experienced tension between fear and faith? There, there's always that tension of fear and faith. Did God really say, is God's heart really good? What are some ways that you've experienced that tension? How have you wrestled with believing God's heart is good for you? That has the potential of being super deep. Most of us, were either raised or not raised by some sort of male influence. And there's oftentimes a misunderstanding of God's heart because of a father who either abandoned us or he maybe he was a workaholic, maybe he was an alcoholic, maybe, maybe lots of things. How have you wrestle with believing God's heart is good for you? Those, those may take you back to some some things that are hard to wrestle with and, and oftentimes deal with our parentals. Uh, number three, after rereading through Hebrews 11, what are you saying, Darby? You want me to read my Bible? Yes, I am. What stories of faith are most inspiring for your intention to follow through? So for me, as I said before, Moses, like Moses had everything. Like, if I was Moses, I'd really struggle with, like, are these people worth it? <laughs> I don't know. This ring's pretty cool. This palace is pretty cool. I don't know. Moses gave all that up. Then, um, again, what passages or passage from going deeper, which is that section in your notes where I dare you to read your Bible more, added to your understanding of tension? Like, what is it that, that like, oh, yeah, if, if I were doing this sermon, I would have kept that in or made sure that that remains. Um, number five, what aspects of faith do you find most? And this is a total Darby question because there's three questions within one. Find most challenging, inspiring, and encouraging. Challenging, inspiring. You can do it. Or encouraging. And then... Finally, by faith, insert your name here. So what is that thing by faith that you wanted to do? By faith, I'm going to honor my parents. By faith, I'm going to love my spouse. By faith, I'm going to try to get along with my sibling. By faith, I'm going to finish this semester strong. What is it that you want to do? Because Jesus did this thing and his life was completely headed in a direction because he wanted to do what the Father 
called him to do. And the father brought him to some difficult things to do. And he brought him to, to the cross and he brought him to, to before the cross. They, they took communion together. Maybe. Yes, they did. And Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, he took the bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's remember him together. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is a cup of the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Let's remember him together. Lord, thank you for being faithful. Faithful, you are faithful. You forever will be your promises to us. They're yes and amen. But Lord, you you love us right where we're at, but you don't call us to remain right where we're at. By faith, you call us to trust the path before us, to to follow through. And so I pray that for each of us, by faith, we would step out. By faith, we would would step out of the boat. By faith, we we would believe you and that we'd step into what you have for us because you are faithful. Help us, Lord, to take the next steps of faith to bring glory and honor to you. We pray in your name, Jesus. Amen. Thanks for checking out this message from Real Life. You can find out more about us by visiting liferotp.com and connecting with us on Facebook and Instagram. Until next time, have a great week.